This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast, with a weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints FC. With the 2019-20 season finale now on the horizon, albeit two or so months late, the heart of Saints this week will be reflecting on the win against Bournemouth, briefly discussing the latest on Saints former captain Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, and finally previewing the last game of the season at home to Sheffield United. To undertake all that with me is Steve, Glenn and Dan. Crikey, these pods seem to come along uh, quickly, chaps. I think it's uh, only a few days since we've done uh, the one after the uh, Man United game. But uh, how are you all keeping all right? Yeah, can't complain. It's been uh, yeah, it's been a good week, hasn't it? Totally. Dan, Glenn, you good? Very yeah, well, thank you. Can't complain after today. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. And uh, Dan, I mean, you're obviously fresh from your visit down to Dean Court or whatever it's called these days. Um, obviously, we'll talk about the game a, a little bit in a minute, but that's the last away game done for the season, Dan. So um, I was just going to ask you, because I guess obviously it's been sort of the first full season following Saints. So from your point of view, Dan, um, quite a few away games now. It's been a, a good campaign, as uh, again we'll discuss, but a performance that sticks in the mind from the away trip this season. And I was going to ask as well, because I know it's something that was always close to his heart, what your favourite hospitality experience has been this season <laughs> away performances this season I think it Arsenal the Emirates was obviously a good one yep. that was sort of the turning point you know and they were so close to winning Chelsea I mean I was really ill on Boxing Day but that was also a good performance yeah. uh, to go there and keep a clean sheet uh, I'm not naming one am I and then obviously Leicester I think was just you know I was yeah. talking about Leicester to someone else earlier you know they because Bournemouth played the highlights of the 3-1 win All right. whilst the players were warming up. And I said, Leicester did this with the 9-0. Best performance, I'd probably go Arsenal, even though it ended in a draw, but yeah. I'm sure someone will say I'm wrong. Hospitality would have been Chelsea, hands down, but I was so ill, I didn't eat any of it. But the spread looked incredible, as always. <laughs> no, good stuff. And uh, yeah, Steve, I mean, obviously, as, as I say, we'll talk about today's game, but from your point of view as a fan, your favourite or most memorable Saints on the road game this season? 
Um, Pompey. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, I just suddenly remembered that was this season. And <laughs> yes, there, there, there can possibly be no comparison. Yeah, no, absolutely. Glenn, what do you reckon? Um, no, I can't argue with Steve there. Yeah. Like, as I said a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's that's their whole season was getting battered 4-0 by us and not getting out of League One. So it's it's a it's a great thing to play such a such a major part in uh, how they'll remember this season. Just to add a disclaimer, I was on holiday for the Portsmouth game, so I wasn't there. Otherwise, I would, of course, have said that one. Fair enough. No, no, that's fine, Dan. That's a good disclaimer to get in there. And uh, yeah, totally. I, I think, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with the chaps. I think that was the one that probably mattered the most. But there has been some uh, brilliant performances. Um, look, before we get going uh, as well this week, I had to mention the uh, the paper that none of us like that starts with an S and ends in an N uh, had the Premier League profanity table uh, printed in it earlier this week. Now, bearing in mind, we've got two people on this show that love a good swear. Um, the uh, Premier League profanity table basically lists in the order the 20 clubs in terms of the percentage of fans tweets containing swear words so suffice to say Saints were doing well up in the table um, in fifth place was Wolves on 5.9% of their tweets fourth place was Saints 6.9% three was uh, Tottenham Hotspur 7.1 Crystal Palace 8.2 Watford a top with 8.5% it's probably a little bit higher today uh, bearing in mind the Nigel Pearson situation but Glenn, Steve, um, I know you two love a good swear, so I hope you're going to take some credit for the fact that Saints are fourth in the profanity tweeting table. Yeah, just can't believe yeah, just we Get that bleeper out. Yeah, no, I will do. I'll just uh, call you a couple of now or something like that. Right, uh, good. I'll have to put more <laughs> okay, that'll do. Stop it. Right, um, back to more <laughs> serious stuff. Um, look, I just wanted to say a massive thank you on behalf of the pod for all the comments and feedback this week after announcing that next week's pod, TSP125, will be our last before TSP retires. Um, I have to say the comments from all around the world have largely been overwhelming, a real mix of those to make you laugh, make you reminisce, and if I'm completely honest, quite a few that uh, choked me up a little reading them. So, you know, I can't reiterate, it's been our absolute pleasure to have provided the pod for the past three years. We're sorry so many of you will miss us but thank you to all of you for being such loyal listeners and uh, just to reiterate as I did say in the, the note it hasn't been an easy decision um, look, I, d- I don't want to change tact immediately but a couple of people have asked this and I think you know it would be fair to say that I, I think if there was someone out there that was interested you know professional producer who fancied a TSP project or if you know someone who would and could pick up most of the unsexy hard graft you know the plan in the script and the editing etc but uh, you know we're still happy to work with Steve Glenn and myself then of course I think we'd be happy to have a conversation about trying to continue TSP um, you know the three of us love nothing more than chatting there to you about Saints with some of the great guests that we get on the show so I don't doubt that the pod still has massive potential if the time is available for someone to spend on it unfortunately I don't have that time but I'd still love to be involved I know Glenn and Steve would if there's someone out there who's professional producer and uh, potentially interested in getting involved so if you are or you would or you do or you know someone please drop me a a line through to total saints podcast at yahoo.com otherwise with time being that priceless commodity unfortunately will indeed finish next week as planned okay let's get some composure back in partnership with saintsworld.co.uk and saintsarchive.com and sponsored by the wonderful happyhottubs.co.uk, this is TSP124. Listen, listen very carefully. That's the sound of people everywhere deflating their inflatable hot tubs, ready for the Happy Hot Tubs inflatable trading event. During July, you can trade in your inflatable hot tub for the price you paid for it off a brand new hot tub. Just visit your nearest showroom and choose your hot tub with finance available. Find your nearest Happy Hot Tubs at happyhottubs.co.uk. Maximum trading value applies. Oh, that's the uh, the hot tub still deflating. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hi guys, I'm Danny Ings and you're listening to Total Saints Podcast. Saints' final away game of the season saw them head down the A338 to relegation threaten Bournemouth. The game eventually finished 2-0 to Saints in typically us fashion. Um, Dan, as we mentioned, you were down there earlier today. What did you make of it overall? No, I thought it was a, an interesting game. Obviously, it was good being there obviously without fans because you could hear all the calls from the players and it was a quite an intense, nervy game, yeah. particularly from Bournemouth's side. You know, you could hear Eddie on the other side of the pitch you know, commanding his players to do X, Y and Z. But from a game point of view, I think all their Saints have struggled a bit this season is when teams just decide to bypass their midfield. Mm. Um, and I, I felt like that happened a bit at Bournemouth um, today. But then obviously Bournemouth wasted a couple of chances. And, you know, I've, I've often said to people this season, I think without Danny Ying, Saints would probably be where Bournemouth are. And, you know, you look at how good he was today. He took one chance and that was it, bottom corner. And then the whole game changes on its head. Yep. Um, there's obviously late drama at the end which you know it's hard not to feel a bit sorry for Bournemouth at, at that point you know they thought they'd equalised and then to, to rub salt into the wound Che Adams went up the other end and scored which is great for him because it's the second goal of the season now and I spoke to him after the game and he's he, he's absolutely buzzing to get going next season so yeah. all in all 2-0 clean sheet I think Ralph will be happy that's 49 points three more than Claude Puel managed when they finished eighth so yeah can't complain on that Obviously, some sweet revenge. We know you uh, spoke about that last week. Uh, as you mentioned there, Saints have now picked up 31 points in away league games this season, which is their best ever return on the road in a top flight campaign. Uh, the only club that have done better than us on the road this season are the champions whose name I refuse to ever say. So well done to Saints on a fantastic away campaign. Um, as ever, though, with Saints, Steve, bit of a roller coaster. Despite sitting pretty in mid-table, I found myself tutting, cursing, cheering and feeling nervous in the end. I think we probably all did. But, you know, right up until Danny goal which is his 21st in the Premier League equal Matt Letizia for most away goals in a top flight season now with 12 um, obviously Saints have struggled to cope with Bournemouth kick and rush footballer a little bit to, to start with Steve and uh, lots of balls in the box which I know caught your eye yeah I mean I've, I mean while obviously Bournemouth's statistics have kind of borne borne it out that they're just not scoring as many goals as they have in previous years and their defence has always been pretty ropey mm. um, I wasn't quite expecting to see a sort of morph, a sort of morphing, morphing of Tony Pulis's Stoke City um, this afternoon. I mean, that was quite extraordinary how direct, how actually sort of properly direct they were. Even um, the long and throw it, and everything. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it, it was not subtle in any way, shape, or form. And I mean, to be fair to Eddie Howe, that's it's not the worst idea against our defence. Mm. Um, but the problem, problem I think with the throwing um, tactic in particular is that. You can't just float one up in into the penalty area. It's got to be a it's got to be a dart mm. that um, that sort of quite a flat trajectory in the way that Rory Delap used to absolutely hurl them in. You've got to have someone who could do that properly. And I think the way that they kind of floated them up, it gave us the opportunity to then attack the ball. And I mean, we we won the flick on. We won the first ball of those pretty much every time, apart from obviously the the disallowed goal in what the ninety fifth minute. Mm. Um, so from a defensive perspective, I mean, yeah, they, they created a few chances by, um, particularly getting in, getting in space behind, um, behind the fullbacks when they went forward. Mm. Um, Bertrand got caught, um, sort of 10, 10, 15 yards up pitch two or three times in the first half when, um, they put balls in and we were able to just about hold out. But I mean, the long and short of it is that McCarthy didn't have a shot to save until what seventy-five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And this is a team that's fight that's scrapping for their lives, and I think they ended the game with five strikers on the pitch. And you just think, well, I mean, really, lads, if you if you've got that many 
that many attacking options you got to do a bit better than that. Yeah, no, totally. I was uh, listening to the Peter Crouch uh, podcast. I'm trying to catch up on that because it is good fun if you're not listening to it. And uh, Tony Pulis was on there, and uh, he was saying, uh, in terms of Rory Tlap, Steve, that uh, the uh, state lads were having a throwing contest, apparently, one one week in training. And, of course, all of them were throwing at sort of 10, 15 yards. And the lap just picked up the ball and launched it about 50 yards. And Tony Pulis' eyes lit up. And uh, he was saying that, obviously, it was suddenly a weapon that he didn't realise that they had. And uh, that's why they sort of focused so much time on it. But, uh, yeah, that's I mean... Because right, we never used it. I think we scored from one Rory Delap long throw in his entire time with us. Um, which I think was a, like a 94th minute winner against Sunderland. I think it might have been something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it was straight strange how how that um, how that came about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean to see to see Bournemouth, a side that has been sort of widely praised in their um, what five years in the top flight mm. for the way that they play their football, the sort of attractive nature of it, the fast pace. Yeah. And to see them kind of resort into sort of Neanderthal football um, these days was kind of a little bit sad, really. But obviously we, we did cope in the end, Glenn. We managed to get through that first sort of 20, 25 minutes without too much trouble. Um, Saints then grew into it, you know, James Ward-Prowse had a good header, possibly should have done better straight at uh, Ramsdale. Redmond then had a brilliant left-footed volley, which uh, again went straight down his neck. And uh, as we all know, you can't give that man Danny Ings a sniff of goal. Great win from KWP in the middle of the pitch. Obviously the pass from Redmond and Ings found that far corner for another beauty of a finish. Yeah, it's, I mean, Ings provides the cutting edge, but I would I would dispute a little bit of what Dan said about us being, you know, similar to Bournemouth, apart from the fact we got Danny Ings. We played lots of football today. You know, we tried to play through midfield, um, didn't always work, but we at least tried to play. But, you know, Bournemouth were abysmal in, mm. in you know, aesthetically, just smash it out the park. I couldn't believe that they, they did it for 95 minutes. You think after 70, when it wasn't working, maybe it's time to, you know, try something else. Especially if they haven't got like a a, a real physical target man, have they? You no. know, lots of their players are nippy and, you know, they do win flick-ons and stuff. But there's not like there's a, a sort of, you know, Ricky Lambert type up there holding the ball up, you, you know, flicking it off and stuff. It's the most direct team that we've faced in years. At least West Ham and Burnley, if they get the ball in your half, they do try and play some football. But all Bournemouth were interested in was, I mean, the only variety was, you know, was it hoofed or was it thrown? That was the only variety they had. But uh, <laughs> anyway, back to us. Um, yeah, we we tried to play some decent football. We created a number of chances. We should have been out of sight. Um, well, we obviously missed a penalty again. That was a bit crap. Um, Three out of our last you know, four, yeah. Yeah, we need to find someone who can take one. I mean, I'm looking at Ryan Bertrand or Stuart Armstrong. Or I was thinking or of you Ward earlier. Prowse needs to change his technique. I was yeah. thinking of you earlier, Glenn, because uh, you mentioned Paul Watton last week. You know, that was a man that just came up, smashed it down the middle and scored most of his penalties. That's what we need, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. maybe Vestergaard can do it. <laughs> no, no, perhaps not. But, you know, we, we need to... It's 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 too easy a chance to not have someone who really? you're confident in sticking the ball in the net. I mean, Warprouse has missed two. Ings missed one last season and he's missed this one today. Yeah. So we need to find someone who's confident um, doing it. We should have scored more. Um, their keeper was exceptional. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. Very, very good. Um, you know, he, he kept them in it. Um, and, you know, that, I know it's his job and he would see it as, you know, I'm just doing my job. But on another day, you know, he wouldn't have saved all those and it would have been comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing controversial. You know, they'll, they'll try and frame the VAR incident as controversial. It's not. He's offside. Yeah. VAR's got the correct decision. It's no problem. And I felt like the goal at the end was just... Um, I felt like we were like a comedian telling a joke and it was a, a fantastic punchline when the, when the goal got disallowed and then there was a second punchline straight afterwards. It was, <laughs> it was even funnier, to be honest. And, 
yeah, it was it was a good performance, and you know, we there's no question we deserve to win. Um, and I think it's a compliment to us that you know a lot of teams outside of the the real top boys are now deciding the only way they can really play against Southampton is by banging the ball up the middle. Yeah, and yeah. we showed you know we we were decent at dealing with it. There's always going to be the odd scary moment when the ball breaks, but you know, in in the main, we defended it well, and that's a definite improvement from earlier on in the season. Danny has now scored in 19 different Premier League games this season for Saints, the most by any Southampton player in a single season in the competition, overtaking James Beattie's 18 in 2002-2003. Um, Dan, look, we won't dwell on the penalty other than to say, uh, you know, it was the right decision by VAR, as Glenn said, and uh, I thought it was a nice gesture by Danny actually to make sure that he didn't overtake Letizia's 93-94 away goals record. Um, you know, so good on him for that. Um, but joking aside, you know, it could have been a turning point, um, uh, you know, a bit of a momentum swinger. Bournemouth obviously, I think. Probably had their tails up a bit after that, but I actually thought our defence, Dan, including Vestergaard, who looked a bit ropey first half, you know, stood up really well to that test in the second half. Um, you know, I thought Alex McCarthy again had a really solid game, coming claiming crosses, punching corners. You know, obviously made that great save from Harry Wilson as well. No, yeah, I think the defence do deserve credit. To be honest, I remember in the first half there was a point where Callum Wilson and Vestergaard entered a foot race, and Vestergaard just pulled him down, and I thought bloody hell that's a bad omen for the rest of this game and it's going to go on like that yeah. um, but like you say I mean he kind of got over those errors and in the second half uh, McCarthy's save from Harry Wilson stands out it was a brilliant a brilliant stop and then I think it's easy to get Vestergaard got across to the nice Solanke what looked like a fairly obvious goal scoring opportunity although he did create that chance close. for him arguably but yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but then he obviously got across to it was a great block yeah put in and and I reckon. Yeah. I reckon if I reckon if Wilson had scored, Harry Wilson had scored. That would have been disallowed anyway, because of the yeah. There was an elbow well, on Bertrand. a massive elbow on Bertrand's face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they, uh, you know they can't review it and not give the corner or whatever. But I think if that had ended up in the net, it would have been disallowed anyway. Yeah, and and just on finally on the defence. Dan, I mean, another, you know, we've spoken about the fullbacks a lot the last few weeks. Bertrand is Bertrand. We know that when he's on the game, as Glenn tweeted earlier, he's one of the best fullbacks in the, the country, if not the best left back. Um, Carl Walker Peters as well, you know, another really good job going in both directions. So defensively, a clean sheet on the road is always going to be a positive, but it was a good performance in the back five in general. No, yeah, exactly. 100%. And they obviously have to deal with Jan Bednarek picking up a slight knock. Um, so you know, I'm sure Bednarek would have been in that starting eleven, so they would have planned with him being in there. A late, slight muscle injury meant he couldn't play, so for them to change it pretty quickly and not look too too confused was good going. And Carl Walker Peters, yeah, you mentioned him, I thought he was brilliant mm. again. Um, um, both directions, you know, he kept Bournemouth fairly quiet and posed a threat down the wing. I thought actually the the Bednarek injury actually worked quite well, worked out quite well for us because I think um, in a in the situation where you end up with a with 90 minutes of just aerial bombardment, I think having, even though Vestergaard's aerial ability has been kind of questioned by many, myself included, at times this season, I think just having that presence there yeah. um, gave us gave us the belief that, OK, right, another one's coming. That's fine. We've got players who are going to win this header. It's not a problem. Yeah. Um, Bednarek, I'm, I'm never quite as confident in the air. I think, I think he's a better sort of low down defender if you like mm, yeah no I don't disagree with that I think as you say Vestergaard won a, a lot of headers in the second half um, look Steve Glenn obviously mentioned some of it there um, talk us through your memories and emotions of the last sort of you know five minutes or so the equaliser then the VAR decision then obviously Shea scoring in the was it 90 plus 8 which I, I, I you know obviously is two two goals in our last three games where we scored pretty much you know 96 at United 98 today and uh, as uh, Dan mentioned earlier, that's two in five games now for Shea Adams, which, bearing in mind the record before that, really gives him something to build on. 
well, it was tense, wasn't it? But and I guess part of it was frustration that we'd not killed the game off earlier, as mm. as Glenn as Glenn said. I mean, with the chances that we had, particularly second half. I mean, I think being four nil up going into the last five minutes wouldn't have been unjustified. No. Um, yeah, so even more annoying on that basis. And and at that point, I'd have quite happily allowed um, Surridge's um, last minute one to um, to count for my four one prediction. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Dan had four nil. But yeah, right. um, but yeah, I mean the the longer it the longer it goes on, the the deeper you're you're defending. You're you're always kind of worried. But I also thought, well, for ninety minutes previously, we've been heading all of these away. Hmm. I don't see any reason why we're not going to carry on heading these away because they've ch- they've changed nothing other than the personnel. Um, and every time we head it away, particularly given that you're in this desperate time for them where all of a sudden, right, they're playing five up front. OK, we win the header. All of a sudden, we've now got four players running at their two defenders. So we're going to get something on the break. Um, I wasn't concerned until they then won a flick on. Mm. At that point, it was like, oh, OK, this this may not end well. Um, and obviously, as, as it turned out, we got away with it. I was fuming when that went in. Um, <laughs> I think we as, all as, anybody, as anybody who's seen my Twitter feed will will attest to. <laughs> and the people are Croydon that probably heard you cursing. Yeah, but um, I mean, as soon as they put up the still of the of the potential offside, it's like, well, that's that's obvious. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, ha, ah, that's amazing. We've got away. <laughs> and um, then the people are Croydon heard your joy. Yeah. Yes. And. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the, obviously, getting the second goal was the was kind of the icing on the cake. Mm. But it's, I, I mean, I was fully expecting us just to hold that ball in the corner. Mm. Um, so it's actually good good awareness from I think Bertrand it was, wasn't it? Who flicked flicked it through the through the gap for Obafemi, and um, and then once once you've kind of beaten that sort of mini press of three players around him, mm. um, all of a sudden you've got you've got a lot of space to work in, and and him and Adams uh, worked worked it really well. I mean, that that finish was basically what Ings did in the first half. Yeah. Um, pretty much identical, um, identical setup to it. And yeah, I mean, it, it, bo- it bodes well for, for next season. I mean, we kind of said that pretty much this time last year when Adams was banging goals in for fun, particularly early in games mm. in preseason. And he thought, oh, wow, this, this lad looks, looks sharp. He looks, he looks up for it. He's going to score a few goals. Um, not sure about this Ings fella. He's, he's been injured. Not sure we should have been spending 20 million quid on him. Um, <laughs> it's a funny old and, game. Um, yeah, look, look how that, look how that, um, that turned out. Yeah, indeed. Um, Glenn, just to finish on the Bournemouth game then, um, you know, we had more possession, uh, we had more shots, we had three times as many shots on target. So, you know, of course it was a soccer punch for, uh, the Cherries in the end. And, you know, we'll obviously have to see what happens with them in the Premier League now. It, uh, you know, looked like it's probably going to be tough for them to, to stay up. But, you know, from a Saints point of view, looking at the fixtures now, um, highly likely we're going to finish at least 12th. If results go away, bearing in mind Newcastle are playing Liverpool and Everton, you know, Bournemouth, uh, may well go up there and give them a tough game next week you we could well finish 11th so happy days yeah very much so I mean but you know we've got another game next week and it just so happens that I know it hasn't mattered so far but we're we're playing another team that's going to have something to play for yeah um and Sheffield United are going to be considerably better than uh than Bournemouth um so it's a it's a tough game next week but you know that Ralph's going to send us out there with um you know, with a bit between the teeth again, and, mm. and we'll give them a good game. I mean, we've we've not got the revenge factor next week because we beat them once already. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, if he can get a performance out of them next week, then 
you know, then that's that's brilliant. But uh, I will be predicting a draw later on, just to take some of the uh, yeah. <laughs> take some of the suspense away from the prediction game. But I was going to say everyone's just moved back a little from the edge of their seats, haven't they? But there we go. So nice one. All right, brilliant. <laughs> Obviously, it wouldn't be a normal end to a Saints season if there wasn't plenty of rumours about one-to-way players. Um, Dan, there's been a lot of noise around Pierre this week. Offers made, potential bidding wars started, stories, question mark of training ground visits to Spurs, etc., etc. Um, just for everyone listening, um, you know, what's your latest take on it and uh, Saints' general view on things? Uh, well, you know, as you guys have discussed on the pod before, Pierre has obviously made comments he doesn't want to stay at the club beyond this summer. His preferred destination has always been Tottenham. Everton have also shown an interest and they're the first club to sort of put their hand in their pocket and say, well, here you go, Saints. We'll offer you a deal worth up to £25 million. Um, The news of that broke uh, just before the Brighton game, Mm -hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. Um, And as far as Saints are concerned, you know, their their stance hasn't changed. It's he can go to whoever the high bidder is. Obviously, Pierre wants to go to Tottenham. Tottenham feel as though they should be favourites to sign him because, well, Southampton have Kyle Walker-Peters on loan, but Saints are obviously keen to keep the two players separate, so yeah. as not to confuse uh, player valuations, um, which is totally understandable, but, you know, things change in football fairly quickly. Um, so I guess on that one, you just have to wait and see whether they they hold out on that or how desperate Daniel Levy gets. That's it at the moment. The offer is still on the table. Saints haven't accepted it or rejected it. It's just there. And as far as I understand, Tottenham in their kind of inquiries have fallen quite a lot short of what Everton have offered at first. But I guess a lot of that will be down to, well, how about we give X for Pierre and you can have Kyle Walker-Peters. Mm. Um, but as I think Steve's alluded to on the podcast before, when you're dealing with Daniel Lever, that will be how about you give us 20 million for Kyle Walker-Peters and we'll give you 5 million for Pierre and Hoiberg and yeah. Saints just aren't going to play ball on that. Yeah. Um, so that's as far as it, you know, he's a player that wants to leave. You know, he's sort of, from my understanding, is he views this as maybe his best chance at getting a move uh, to one of the bigger sides because he's got, you know, there's not going to be a lot of money floating about in the summer for the top top sides to go out and spend big. Um, Tottenham obviously admire him, and you know, just looking at it kind of objectively, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yes, Jose Mourinho's won a lot, but you look at the trajectory Saints are on at the moment and how Tottenham are. I mean, I'd question why you'd actually want to go across. Okay, yeah, you know, you're not going to have to worry, ever worry about relegation or anything like that. But Saints are right on the crest of a wave. And I think, you know, one thing Ralph has spoken about was consistency. You know, if they could have had this consistency since the end of November for September, October, you know, where would they be? They'd be up there really challenging for the sort of Europa League places, mm-hmm. um, which is funny enough, higher than what Tottenham are at the moment, I think. Um, but they've won today, so I've, I've not checked the table, so they're, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, they're there or thereabouts. Yeah. yeah, and you know, uh, just everyone at Southampton, all the players have got a big smile on their face, and things are clearly going in the right direction. So, mm. from Pierre's point of view, I think he sees this as perhaps his chance to, mm. or his only chance and best chance to get a move to maybe a Tottenham. Um, but then, is he a guaranteed starter at Tottenham? Is he exactly what they need? Maybe not, but they will see him as a player with a year left in his contract. He's still young, so I think they view him as a a good signing but yeah as far as Saints are concerned it's whoever pays most Pierre's preferences Tottenham if they are going to do a deal with Tottenham as far as I'm aware and as it stands Kyle Walker-Peters won't be involved in that deal because they want to keep it separate 
Yeah, fair enough. Just very, very briefly then, Dan, just uh, finally, I imagine from a Saints point of view as well, you know, we know there's not going to be much of a turnaround between this season and next season. So Ralph probably doesn't want this sort of thing dragging into next season too much. So I imagine even though there's, they've not accepted a deal or rejected a deal yet, they're probably going to want to get this wrapped up one way or another fairly quickly. Absolutely. Um, from people I've sort of spoken to behind the scenes at the club, one thing they don't want is to play silly bugs with Daniel Levy and for this to go down to you know, the wire in the transfer window, they're not interested in doing that. It's a case of they're probably resigned to the fact they're going to lose Pierre. So, OK, right, we know we know it's going to happen. Let's get it done sooner rather than later. But then everyone knows where they stand. We don't want to be going into October with Daniel Levy faffing about over, you know, five million pounds, you know, like they did with Jack Grealish mm. when, he, when they went in for him last summer, I think it was. Saints have no interest in that. These things tend to, to rumble on anyway, but Saints would prefer to get a deal done sooner rather than later for sure. Perfect. All right. Well, as uh, ever, it will be interesting to see what happens. Watch this space, I suppose. Total Saints Podcast. Total Saints Podcast. Sponsored by HappyHotTubs.co.uk. Saints' final game of the season, which will be 352 days since their first one versus Burnley, sees Sheffield United arrive at St Mary's. First things first, I feel obliged to congratulate the Blades on a wonderful season back in the Premier League. As a neutral, it's been nice to watch a team 100% committed to giving the best they can each week, so well done to them. Um, Steve, overall, what have you made of them and uh, who stood out for you? Yeah, I mean they've they've been they've been excellent. I mean surpassed any any sort of reasonable expectations of of what they could achieve. They were un, they were rightly the bookies' favourites um, to be relegated, and I still think next season will pose challenges for them because yeah. I mean I, I think as we saw the first the first few games um, in the restart they were way off the pace. They were basically the team that we all probably expected them to be um, a year ago. And yet, um, I mean, credit to them, they've they've recovered and and are kind. Of, they seem to be kind of back to how they were, sort of as as the good team that um, that Chris Wilder has has made them. But mm. I mean, I think the thing with Sheffield United is that there isn't a single player who stands out above all the others. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess if you kind of held a gun to my head and maybe pick one, then I'd probably pick a player that's not actually theirs in Dean Henderson, the goalkeeper. Yeah, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and having seen David De Gea basically toss away the uh, this FA Cup semi-final that they're just playing in at the moment, um, I do wonder whether Henderson might get a chance at United sooner rather than later, mm. um, rather than being farmed out on loan, which would which would present Sheffield United a, a, a problem sort of in the transfer market coming up. But so I think they just signed Wes Fotheringham, which doesn't give you much confidence as a first-team starter, does he? Um, was he not at Pompey a few years ago? Uh, he may well have been. He was just and recently been at Rangers, not, hasn't he? And not, yeah, not anything special. Mm. That strikes me as a he's our backup goalkeeper option uh, more than anything, to be honest. But I mean, my guess we'll see on that. But I think their system has been interesting, um, sort of with slightly strange concept of sort of um, overlapping uh, centre-backs which I think has taken quite a lot of people a while to get used to. Um, although I think actually we were probably one one of the few teams that, that kind of got a grip on it quite quickly. It only took us about 40 minutes in the game up at um, Bramwell Lane back in, Christ, when was that, September? Yeah. Um, to, to kind of work out what they were trying to do and, and put a stop to the most obvious parts of it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're clearly a good side. I, I'm, I think with the games, they, the two games they've got left, I don't think they're quite going to uh, make Europe now. Spurs seem to have 
without really playing particularly well, have ground out results and they've obviously got the got the individual talent to kind of turn individual games in their favour. Um, yeah. Whereas Sheffield United, it, it is a it is an absolute team effort. There's no it's not it's not individuals um, standing out at particularly any stage. I think going into these these final games of the season, I I think there's actually going to be nothing to play for for either team. Yeah. I feel, it feels like we should take a, a little moment between us, all of us, everyone listening as well, to just celebrate that not only did Musa Gineppo score the winner that day, but of course he played so long at left back, which I know Adam Leach enjoyed watching incredibly alongside a variety of other <laughs> Saints fans. But uh, well, that, that was that was the change I referred to. <laughs> exactly, uh, that's moving, why I just wanted moving, to point out. Him away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That performance gave me hope I could still make it as a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I think it even gave Adam hope that he could still do it as well, Dan, to be honest. So, uh, But yeah, um, I mean, Glenn, obviously um, Steve's mentioned Chris Wilder there. Um, a manager I think most of us have a, a lot of respect for for the way that he's kind of worked himself up through the divisions to the top level and obviously he has done a brilliant uh, job in the Premier League he's one of those managers that whenever I hear him talking even as a neutral I feel myself listening to him yeah he's he's one of the he's one of the good guys isn't he because there's no there's no airs and graces about him he is what he is he's a Sheffield boy he's a you know he's a Sheffield United fan and that's that's really cool and you kind of hope that he does well for you know for for that reason if no other but yeah when he talks he's got he's got a realism about him um i can't imagine he suffers fools gladly and I, you know i like that and I've, I've got a lot of time for any you know the the way you judge a manager is how well he does with the resources he's got available mm. and the, there's no no question that the you know the the sum the sum is greater than the parts at, at sheffield united and that they've done a great job and and so you know they're a really good team and that's that's the thing yeah. it's a team rather than a collection of individuals and he's he's got them playing really well um I agree with Steve that next year will be a test because everyone will have a plan for them yeah and you know if they do sneak into the Europa League then obviously they're going to have more games and how deep's the squad and all that i mean any team that can you know do as well as they've done with David McGoldrick up front for the majority of the season is incredible really yeah. so they you know they they seem to get goals from from all over the park because none of their strikers seem particularly uh, prolific. Um, but no, Wilder's Wilder's done a done a fantastic job and fair play to him. And uh, if there was any justice, he'd he'd be he'd be manager of the season. Absolutely, but he, yeah. won't, he won't be, of course. But yeah, there with you that go. guy with the beard and glasses that we uh, don't mention. But yeah, totally. Um, Dan, from a Saints point of view, then um, of course we've been on the brink of setting this unwanted club record of eleven home defeats in a season, uh, which we've successfully managed to stave off so far by, of course, beating Man City and then drawing with Brighton so from a Saints point of view that should absolutely remain a motivator for the team and manager yeah Saints are going to be fully up for the game they're not going to want to end the season on a downer you know they've gone six games without a defeat now Ralph was speaking after today's game you know now they're within touching distance of 50 points and he's absolutely desperate to make sure they get over 50 points um so yeah Saints won't be downing tools I don't think for the last game of the season if Sheffield United have still got something to, to come down and play for then I think that would just make it an even better game. And just on what the two guys have said about Sheffield United, I couldn't agree more with what they said about Chris Wilder as well. I think he's been absolutely fantastic. I, know, I actually kind of hope they don't make it into the Europa League because I would, I think they'd really struggle next season without the sort of resources to go and bolster their squad. Mm. And then and, and seven, seventh, well. place, seventh place is going to be tough because you're going to be in yeah. the qualifying yeah. rounds. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. And it's going to be a quick turnaround from the end of this season to the start of next season as well. So, yeah. You know, I think they've been a great addition to the Premier League. And it was actually, you asked me about away games uh, that I'd been to and I'd sort of forgotten about that one. But 
no Bramall Lane was brilliant. You know, the fans there were fantastic. Uh, Lav were out. So no, I, I can't afford to going back to that game next season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, from uh, a Saints point of view as well then, Glenn, you mentioned it earlier, but they do have a chance to complete another double this season after doing so against Aston Villa, Norwich and Watford. So uh, in itself, an exciting uh, potential there. Is it? Well, you know, let's, let's, we, can, we can talk about Chris Wilder some more if you want. I was just trying to think of things that we could talk about, you know, to do with no, we're, we're just, you know, just desperately scratching around for reasons why we might be motivated. I think it's just like, it's just, well, I mean, I've I, 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 absolutely hit the nail on everyone. It's yeah. another game football sh- with Ralph as manager. That's it. You know, <laughs> well, we've, we'll go for it. we've shown motivation isn't a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which has actually been interesting given what happened at the end of last season, as we mentioned um, last week, mm. that we properly phoned it in for the last handful of games. And mm. I think Ralph has been very keen to to avoid that happening again because it doesn't it doesn't reflect well on people, and it also kind of I suspect that may have, may have had something to do with the slow start we had. Yeah, I also think we're fitter this year. You know, mm. we've had a full we've had a full season as Ralph, whereas last year we had half a season. We got over the line with regards to staying up, and I I think a lot of players are running on empty at the tail end of last season. Whereas yeah. because of the break we've had, and because we've had a whole year, you know, they've had a whole year of his training and his methods and all that stuff. I think we're a lot fitter, and we've looked fitter than most teams that we've played against. Mm. You know, he's got he's got this thing about you know if we play a, a Manchester City or a Liverpool, we've got to run further than them. Mm. So all the players know that they have to be fit. We've got rid of the people, you know, the Charlie Austins who can't run. And we now have, they're all athletes out there. They can all run. And I think that has gone a long way into uh, into how well we've played in these um, in these restart games. I think that's a great point, Glenn. Um, absolutely. Just finally, Steve, I don't necessarily want to end on a disappointing note, but I think we're well aware that the St Mary's campaign has been a poor one for Saints. The good news is we're not going to finish bottom of the home form table because Norwich are actually uh, a lot, lot worse than we are. But, uh, you know, something that absolutely the club needs to be focusing on for 2020-21, Steve. Yeah, definitely. I mean, fair play to Norwich. They've they've really had to pull up, pull out all the stops out <laughs> to, to finish below us in the home yeah, in the yeah. home league table. But I mean, that, I mean that that first half in their game last night, wow, that was <laughs> it was. Just, I got to say, it was hilarious I mean, to watch as a neutral. How, wasn't how it? many self-destruct buttons can you press in twenty minutes? Then the goal sort um, of capped it all, really, didn't it? So, yeah, yeah. goal was brilliant. <laughs> well, just the fact that it was it was an overhead kick and he completely shinned, shinned it, <laughs> and yet it's gone right in the corner. But well. I know. What can you do? But yeah, I mean, it's the the home form has been a problem for as we as we've said before, probably three years now. I would say since about three quarters of the way through Claude Puel's um, season, it's been an issue. Mm. Um, I think up until then we were we were largely okay. Um, certainly under Kuman, we were we were excellent at home. Um, so we've got to find a solution, um, and without bringing back kind of the ghost of Graziano Pella and Sadio Mane, I, I think you're, you're going to struggle to replicate the same system that that was so successful for, for that team. Mm. But um, there's no reason why we can't find a solution. We've got the nucleus of a of a very good, um, very good team and a pretty good squad. I think there's a little bit of depth there. Um, something to work with, certainly. But it's about... I mean, part of it is cutting out stupid mistakes defensively. Yeah. Because I, d- I don't think there's necessarily been that many games at home where we've not created chances. It's just that Gifting we've goals. not taken our chances and, th- and then we give away a stupid goal to the opposition. And then you're fighting a losing battle because they then stick everybody behind the ball and say, right, what have you got? Mm. And the Brighton games, 
the Brighton game last week was exactly that, wasn't it? We gave a very limited team a shocking goal, and yeah. then we spent the whole of the second half trying to get back into it while they got deeper and deeper. But mm. I will say that we we did create a lot of good chances. We should have won the game, obviously. And that is something that, you know, like our defending against the long ball rubbish, we're also, you know, that Brighton game gave me a bit of encouragement for next season because we did pull them around all over the place and created chances. I mean, the, the problem when we've played teams like that earlier on in the season is that there was not really the movement to pull the team around and there was no incisive passing. I, I was quite encouraged by that Brighton second half performance, you yeah. know, simply because of the amount of chances we created against the team that only wanted to defend. Yeah, yeah, uh, 100%. All right, well, let's end uh, with some predictions then. The, uh, we all of us went for Saints to win, even myself, which is, uh, you know, shock horror. So uh, well done to everyone. We all got one point. Unfortunately, no one had 2-0. Um, but uh, it does mean, Glenn, congratulations. You have won our prediction league because you've rocketed to 24 points. We are giving Adam Leach zero credit for any of his work in this. But uh, you've gone up to 24 oh, points. Okay. Steve's on 20 and uh, I'm on 18. So uh, there's no trophy. I mean, you criticised the one that I gave you at TSP 100. Um, so you know shove it up your basically. it was crap to be <laughs> um, but uh, so you going for one all you said did you in this last game is that right well as I can't be beat I'll go for 9-0 Saints 9 Sheffield <laughs> United 0 cool alright well I'm going for one all because uh, as you say I think uh, Sheffield United will be uh, a bit of a tricky opponent um, Dan what do you reckon uh, I'm going to go 2 all. Well, yeah, bit of a goal bonanza. Steve, um, obviously I can still catch you for second, but you can't win. But I mean, it's up to you, really. You can go for 35, 20 if you want to, or whatever. <laughs> no, I think I think we'll win. I think Sheffield United have kind of tailed off a little bit. Um, they weren't good at Leicester, and Leicester are bad at the moment. Mm. So that's that's possibly not a good not a good sign for them. Um, but they've they've tended not to be able to string multiple bad performances together mm. but I think we've just got that little bit of energy and a, and finally a little bit of sort of confidence and arrogance about us now so I think let's go for another 2-0 why not what's the worst that could happen <laughs> exactly I'm still chuckling at Glenn's 9-0 just have I got time just to come in quick yeah of course so you have. yeah, yeah thing, go for it um, ah, perfect one thing I just kind of wanted to say to to all of you you know it's always good to be asked to come on this podcast but first and foremost you know I enjoyed listening to it before I came on and particularly Ben that you know the work you've done and that you continue to do you know once editing it and planning it and getting all of that and then obviously Glenn and Dave you know your contributions always make me laugh when I have one in the car and I'm driving somewhere and obviously Adam you know credit goes to Adam he obviously helped start it and when Lucy's been on as well she's been brilliant so you know I think you've all done a brilliant thing and you know hopefully someone can come and kind of pick up and take over the producing but if not you know I'm sure I speak on behalf of many listeners that you've all done a brilliant job and you should be like, thoroughly proud of yourself as well. Thank you, Dan. That means yeah, a lot. Absolutely. And I'm sure Steve and Glenn would Cheers. agree. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. That's all right. No worries. It's going to be like Watford. Someone's going to come in and sack everybody. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, get a, we'll get a new manager and we'll all get sacked.
Well, that's the end of TSP124. Thank you very much for listening to us. Um, big thanks, as always, to Steve and Glenn. Uh, the chats will catch up with me next week after the Sheffield United game for our final pod. Dan, look, just before we let you go from TSP GT, um, I guess probably wanted to reflect, uh, as it feels like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours now, but look, I wanted to thank you for all your hard work on the Daily Echo sports desk this uh, season. But just finally as well, Dan, you know, obviously it's the last time you're going to be on the pod, although we will hear from you with your votes for player of the season, etc. next week. Um, when the dust settles on the season... 2019-20 for Saints. How do you think Ralph and the club will reflect overall? I think you know they can only kind of reflect on it positively for the turnaround they've had. I think most of us were probably a little bit concerned with how they started and how that kind of culminated in a defeat, which seems to be brought up all the time on Sky Sports. So I'm not going to mention who they lost to and what scoreline it was because <laughs> I think that's been out there enough in Project Restart of all the games that have been on TV. But, you know they should look back and I think it was the first full season under Ralph and I think. You know, as Steve alluded to earlier, I think it's paying dividends now. I mean, they look good, but they look fit, they look hungry, they're motivated. Um, I think there's plenty of signs for optimism at the hen- ahead of next season. So, you know, let's hope they can have a good summer, get the players in they want, offload the players they no longer want or other clubs come in for, and kind of look ahead with optimism. I mean, it'd be good if they can sort out their home form, but that will have to wait and see, I think. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, well, as I say, it's been great having you on the pod as well, Dan. So, thanks uh, so much for giving up your time regularly. Um, we'll be back next week for our last ever TSP, uh, the final countdown. If you're a fan of Europe, yes, I've already started editing it. So, look forward to that. Uh, until then, have a good week and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.